So could you give a warm Hedgesville Church welcome to Mark Mason this morning as he comes from Life on the Verge. No hug, you interrupted me. <laughs> I, I've known Mark for tw- 20 years. Yeah, we started coming here in 1996. 21 years, unfortunately. It has been a love-hate relationship the whole time. No, I, I just want to say, uh, some of you know this. Um, Mark is one of those guys in my life that even though we're three hours apart, um, you know, he, he knows that the phone rings that, that he better have some advice for me. And he typically does, right? And, and he'll say, hey, have you read this book? He just did it last night to me. Hey, have you read this book? Have you read this book? Which I think by now, I think he's just, I don't think he reads the books. I think he randomly picks them out of Amazon and just says, hey, did you read this book? But without fail, has been one of the single most encouraging people in my life in ministry. And, and actually not just in ministry, but actually outside of ministry, doing life uh, as a business owner, as, as, as encouraging to just be in the community nonstop with his life. And, um, and so I want to say thank you for that. And he drove three hours up here in October to, uh, you know, for Pastor Appreciation Month, and that was a big surprise. And so... Um, so we're going to hear from him and his story today, and I just want to encourage you uh, that while you're listening to just think about, maybe let God think of, change the way you think about your life and your work uh, during this next couple moments together, because I think it's important as a church that we realize that we gather together here for a reason, but that most of our life is lived outside of these walls. Most of the relationships we have are outside of these walls, and that God has strategically put us where he's put us for a reason and given us the talent and ability we have for a reason. And you're going to hear that come through in Mark's story. So, so just uh, for those that don't know uh, where you came from and how you grew up and all that stuff, why don't you give them a recap of that and tell us where you've been this year. Well, good morning. morning. Everybody doing okay? Have a good Thanksgiving? Well, we're always humble. I'm always, let me, let me first do this. Let me show you the real secret behind all of our success. My lovely wife, Susan. <laughs> Would you stand, Susan, and give a wave? 35 years next month we've been married. She's also a rock star. She's also a rock star. Um, but uh, I was sitting here, I was thinking, I'm always humbled when, when Chris, you know, attributes pretty much the totality of his success to me. Uh, I understand it, um, <laughs> but I'm tremendously humbled. No, I, I am, and it really is an iron sharpens iron relationship. I know when he calls, if I don't have an hour set aside to talk, you know, because I learn and, and we grow, you know, just, you know, friends really can trust each other in, in what we're talking about, and and uh, so I learn as much from him as well. It really is an iron sharpens iron relationship, and such is the beauty of the church, because mm. without the church, I wouldn't know you. Yeah. You know, and uh, what a wonderful church this is and how it's turned a corner in the last, I guess, couple of decades, really. Um, when we came here, those that may not know, um, 
There was an organ on one side, a piano on the other. It was three hymns out of a hymn book, sit down. It was very kind of legalistic, religious. It was operating the way the church had operated for many, many years, which fit okay with a rural area. But God was about that time starting to change this area from a rural area to a suburban area, and he wanted to change this church. And I had no idea that when he brought us here, uh, the Lord kind of whispered in my heart once we got here, this was our first position in full-time ministry. Before that, I'd been a cop for 10 years. I'd worked in forensics and started working with young, uh, young people because of what I was seeing on the streets of, of Norfolk, Virginia, where I was a cop. And just for reference sake, before that, I was, I was in college and first of my family to go to college. And before that, I was a horrible juvenile delinquent that was arrested by the police department I later worked for. And that was all incredibly awkward at times, but proof of God's faithfulness. I never got arrested as an adult. Um, but at any rate... When we came here, um, the first, one of the first things I got asked to do was lead worship for the night service. They did a, a Sunday night service, and we just did music that we knew. It was popular praise and worship, Christian praise and worship, and it set off a war in this place. You can't imagine. Of people that like the old stuff and people that like the new stuff. Anybody ever been to a church that was kind of got in that argument? And we were right in the middle of it, and it was like the Lord was saying to my heart, we brought you here, I brought you here to be an agent of change. And I was like... I don't want none of that. I'm not here to change nothing. I'm here to learn how to be a preacher. You know, I've never done this before. Um, and through a long five years and some pretty tragic circumstances at time, at times, I think the trajectory, Susan and I were talking about this on the way here, the trajectory, we, we helped kind of just show, show folks there was another way of doing things at least. And that wasn't our intention. We just showed up and listen, if there's anything you hear this morning, um, hear this. You are responsible for the opportunities that God puts in front of you. That's it. You ain't got to go out and do what I do or what Chris does or opportunities. What opportunities is he giving you? And this was the opportunity that he had given us. And in that opportunity, we saw later, mostly looking backward now, that God was using us to kind of just point the ship in a slightly different direction. But you've actually rode, you and Beth and many of you have actually rode this thing for the last, said we've been gone I don't know, we left in 17 years, we've been gone, and what an amazing church. Just, I mean, it was an amazing church before, but it's just gone to a whole new level uh, of touching the community. I love the theme, far and wide, getting outside of church, and uh, if you were in the first service, a couple of you maybe were, um, you know, I have a chance to clarify things now in each service, so if you want to he hear me clarify confusing things I say in this service, stay for the next one. Um, <laughs> But there was one thing I did want to say, because now I know more clearly what, what uh, Chris is trying to impress this morning. Um, and that is, yeah, I was talking to a guy this morning who uh, I asked him, you know, what do you do for a living? He works at Quad Graphics. Is that the name of the place? He says he's a printer, right? And uh, this revolutionized my life in about 1992. I was a police officer, and I really want, I was seeing the most heinous stuff on the streets. It was the Crack cocaine had just hit the street. Murder was everywhere. The city of Norfolk broke its murder record and still has not topped what it did my first year in forensics. And there I was just processing homicide scene after homicide scene, which looks glorious on TV, but it's incredibly tragic. It is horrible to hear a mama screaming in the background while her 14-year-old has been blown away in a drug deal, and you're just there. to. And I thought, man, I can do more. I need to start volunteering at my local youth group. So I started working. They found out I played guitar, and the next thing you know, I was... I was playing guitar in the band and, and, and doing ministry. I started getting a heart to do more of that. And I found myself suddenly in a very miserable state. My job was an hour and a half commute to get there and back. 
Um, and I went to a service on a Sunday morning. And you know, you'll go to church. It's like eating a meal. You don't remember all the meals that you've eaten to create the awesome body that you have right now. You know? But obviously you ate some meals. And the same is true of your spiritual life. You don't remember every service you've been in. But there are things that click. The Holy Spirit just drops something that never goes away. And this guy came to our service. And, uh, and he got up. He was a special guest. He was a new principal at the high school. And he introduced himself. He said, hi, my name is Chip Gray, and I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised as a principal of Gloucester High School. And so it's for the, for the printer that I met this morning. No, you're not a printer at Prog Graphics. You're a disciple of Jesus Christ, cleverly disguised in this life as a printer at Quad Graphics. Yeah. And if you'll see your life as that, it'll take a lot of pressure off. If you'll realize that your calling as a Christian is a high and holy calling to the opportunity you have right now, whether it's a housewife, it's a trucker, it's a business person, whatever, that God's strategically put you there and he'll move you when he wants to, but you need to be responsible for that yeah. opportunity. It's amazing uh, what we've seen come out of that in our whole ministry today. And what we do. And I wanted to say one last thing <laughs> about that. Sitting here in worship, uh, Cody and Jaron, are you in the service or do you like, like typical worship guys go cheat and sit in the green room or something? I don't see them. <laughs> but they were laying it down, you know, as far as the bass and the I'd pay attention to bass and drums. And I'm sitting there looking at Jaron Lucier and I'm like, I knew before he was. <laughs> I'm like, Sam was just 18 when I met him, you know, and I'm like, they created a bass player. Awesome. <laughs> the power of the church and being faithful to the opportunity. Yeah. That's a little bit of the background. So where, so where's this year taking you with the life on the verge? What have you gotten into this year? Well, let me say that you guys, Hedgesville, of all of, we don't really have a lot of churches. Let me clarify something I said in the earlier service about the word missionary. The reason I don't particularly care for the word missionary is because in a lot of circles, it, instead of being equated with almost like, you know, when I think of a guy that's going, and I'm not saying me, I know missionaries that go and minister in Muslim countries where they risk being killed every day. Yet sometimes they get treated lesser than a superstar pastor in the States. I despise that mindset. Mm. I'm like, no, no, that's not. Missionary, the word doesn't appear in the Bible. He's an evangelist or he's a teacher, he's a pastor, whatever, but somehow I just... And it's kind of just the circles that I've learned how the word missionary gets equated like that. So there's some clarification there. Um, but we consider ourselves evangelists. We, and, and by evangelists, some of you may have grown up in a world where an evangelist was a guy that just went church to church preaching hellfire and brimstone. And you bring people to church and get them saved. I don't think that's a biblical definition of an evangelist. An evangelist, we spend 80% or more of our time outside of church. Matter of fact, we've got maybe four or five churches that, get, that give anything to... Yeah. Uh, our ministry. It's mostly individuals, people that we meet, supernatural things that God just moves on people's hearts. But among them all, we launched this talking about being responsible for the opportunity. 2011, we were given an opportunity. I was still a pastor, but I had a heart to do more evangelism and we were given, and to be a musicianary is what we call ourselves, to use the thing that I love to do and that is play music. And I don't mean worship music, which I did for years. I'm talking about I love rock and roll. I love blues music. You know, I want to jam, man. You know, nothing wrong with doing that for Jesus, you know. And we were given an opportunity to uh, play at the uh, Sturgis Motorcycle Rally for the first time. And uh, I was pastoring a church. I didn't want to spook anybody like we're leaving. You know, we got other things to do. I don't know. I've just been given an opportunity to do this. 
And we needed about $10,000 to do this trip. What we wanted to do, create a CD and be able to give it out with a prayer on it for the bikers and music and whatnot. So we sent a newsletter out to 23 people outside of our church. No, and nobody was a sugar daddy giver, if you know what I'm saying. Nobody was rich. We just sent it out to 23 people. And um, we raised, that $10,000 came in. It was amazing. It was confirmation that we're supposed to do this. And well over half of it came out of this church, just to let you know. Um, and to this day, we have more individual donors out of Hedgesville that send us oh, and keep us on, on the second. road. You could clap for that. Else. You could clap. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, that's to your, you, you guys. I know what it's like when, when you're a pastor. It's a whole, a whole nother set of challenges that you deal with. There's no doubt. Uh, neither place is comfortable at times. But what we do today, where we lean completely on the generosity of, we don't have what like a local fan base, you know. Chris, you got a local fan base here. No. Sometimes they, they, they kill you. They want to kill you and stab you in the back. But, you know, we don't have a group that we talk to every week. So we really count on God to move on the hearts of people. And trust me, just liking us on Facebook, lifeontheverge.com. You can go there right now and give you permission. Our Facebook link, Twitter link. Sending an encouraging word, letting us know you're praying for us. Some people think, oh, man, if I can't give $100. No, somebody gives $5, it's like, hey, at least they're thinking about us. You know, it's encouraging. Keep us out there. So, so this year, uh, as in the past six, we've been in prison a lot. We have did 52 prison programs. Um, and that's not Susan and I going in and singing a couple of songs with an acoustic guitar. That's bringing 25, 30 people in with a massive sound equipment, the whole bit. Um, one of the things that we were, were part of uh, this year in the prison part of what we do, we also ministered at the Sturgis Rally at Daytona Bike Week. We did a bike rally out in Wyoming uh, where we worked with you know, other ministries and musicians to, to do outreach. But in the prisons, um, one of the big things I didn't mention in the earlier service that we did that was different this year, a lot of people, how many of you ever been involved in prison ministry other than giving to prison ministry, ever been inside of an American prison? Yeah. Awesome. Well, there's some over 2 million incarcerated folks. Uh, and what happens is uh, most of them didn't plan on being there. Um, and they get there and, you know, it's trying to figure out who you can trust and who you can connect with. But there are many, many believers in, in, that just screwed up and got off the path or whatever that ended up in prison. They might be sitting in church here this Sunday and be in prison next week, you know, for something that they, they slipped up and did. How do you walk out your faith there? So they learn to count on the outside. They learn to count on ministries coming in like ours to put on, a, you know, the, what, what we do, worship. We, what we do, we do everything, what you did this morning. We do praise and worship. We have greeters. We have hosts. We have prayer at the altars. We water baptize. We do communion with them. The whole deal. And, uh, and that's great. But this year, we were part of a program where three different ministries came together. One out of Denver, one out of West Palm, Florida, and ours. And we ran a program called the Church Behind Bars Initiative. And if you follow us, you've heard a little bit about that. But the goal was, we're going to go to, part of what we did this year was go to the same two prisons. Florida's largest women's prison, uh, Lowell Correctional Institution in Ocala, right across the street, Marion's uh, men's prison. Simultaneously, we're there for like a week at each prison per month for 12 months. And two different teams, two different bands teaching a curriculum of how you are the church behind bars. That, that you don't need us to just come in and pump you up. But after we leave, 
that you can be an evangelist. You can be a pastor. You might not have an office with a plaque on the door, but if God has called you to be a shepherd of his people, a pastor, then you can walk that out here, whether you're doing four years or you're doing life. Here's where you are. If God was done with you, he'd take that breath away from you that he gave you. But you're still here. So how do you do that? And sometimes, you know, you hear, well, we, need, we don't have musical instruments. We can't do worship. And it was amazing. I could do it right here, right now. I don't want to use up too much time. But if I began singing, let's all stand and lift our hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when our hearts join in praise to Jesus, yeah. the Holy Spirit shows up. And it is amazing yeah. in that little room when, you know, those guys were gathered. And so, so anyway, it's been a fantastic year, that part of what we've done, the Church Behind Bars initiative. Um, I want to read one letter. You asked me to share one story at least. I want to share one story. There are many. Uh, we actually have ministered, we calculated over 10,000 inmates this year in, in a setting like this, in a, in a, in a group setting. Um, but we got a letter from an inmate from Lowell. Who wrote this? Blessed be the Lord who is always worthy to be praised. On Sunday, this was Mother's Day actually, many of us on my side of the compound were lined up at the gate waiting to be released for chapel. An announcement came over the speakers that it was canceled. As we all began slowly walking away, mourning that there was no service, most of us went and sat or stood around the same pavilion on the prison yard. As I looked around at the women, I dropped my head and said, Lord, what do we do? And the Lord said, do it. So I gathered the women together and said, whoever wants to join in, we're going to have church right here. And everyone agreed. So we started out with praise and worship. And as we lifted our voices in one accord, the power and presence of God was so strong that it was heard and felt from one end of the compound to the other. It was magnificent. You couldn't tell that it wasn't a pre prepared mass choir. We then went into prayer and the gifts of the spirit were manifested through prophecy and healing, etc. A couple of women gave testimonies and then we started in the word of God with Acts chapter 17. And as we came to the close of the service, we joined together in a large circle to pray. Many from the yard ran up to join in. It was amazing. But the very best part of all this was that one young lady who was drawn to the service that was not even going to chapel service later surrendered her life to the Lord under that same pavilion and was added to the kingdom. We magnify the Lord who is without limitation and who's, who manifested himself marvelously among and through his people. That's New Testament church stuff right there. No big building, no worship team, just somebody that was exposed. So you guys helped that moment happen and continue to happen uh, in the prisons where we've ministered. So you are... Um... You don't just play in prisons and biker rallies, you and Susan, um, you go out into the local music scene and you create relationships and you build relationships and you play in clubs and restaurants and events and all kinds of things throughout Richmond and uh, talk about how, how you're using that musical ability, uh, not just in the context of prisons and biker rallies, but just in the context of making relationships with people. Well, uh, in, in 2010, I guess it was, I won't go into as much detail as the earlier service, but um, the Lord gave me a piece about engaging the local music scene in Richmond, Virginia, where we were pastoring. They have a pretty significant music scene there. And uh, so I put my name on a website called bandmix.com. Maybe you've heard of it. It's basically kind of a place for musicians to find each other by zip code. And so these guys found me and asked me to come out and audition for... Um, their country band, and they didn't know I was a pastor, and I wasn't going to tell them, because I wanted to go out and be some, some, something, I wanted to see my faith work without pastor in front of my name, 
Uh, I wanted to just be Mark that plays guitar and let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I ended up playing and uh, finding out, I guess I should tell this part of the story because it's very unique to Hedgesville and yeah. very confirming. Um, I was wrestling with whether to stay a part of it once I got into it because they were doing some songs that I didn't necessarily agree with. And I, I learned, you know, there's not Christian and non-Christian music, by the way, because music can't be a Christian. Uh, <laughs> it's either good music or bad music. And they were choosing some bad music that I didn't really care for. And uh, I was like, Lord, what do you got me out here for? Um, you know, why am I? And, and so I, I, I had a dream. And uh, let's just say the Lord kind of confirmed in my heart that I was supposed to. And I don't get led by dream. It's the only dream I can ever remember. But that I was supposed to stay a part of that. And so I stayed a part of it. I didn't tell them. It was, we were three months into it when I finally told them, you know, that I was a pastor. They asked what I did. I told them I was a pastor. And uh, I learned by this time, by no, I only showed up to play guitar. But the singer quit. They found out I could sing a little bit. And one thing led to another. And now I'm fronting this, this redneck country band that <laughs> later becomes a, a classic rock band. And I'm telling my church on Sunday about what I'm doing. Because I'm expecting them to do the same thing. Hey, I'm getting out here and just being Mark yeah. that plays guitar. You get out there and be John who does carpentry or whatever it is you do, but bring Jesus with you. Yeah. If you show up, the Holy Spirit's coming with you. And if you'll just let him out when he wants out and not try to force the moment, who knows what God might do. Yeah. And so it was different for me in, in that environment like that. And, uh, but as they found out what I did, I found out that the drummer who I'd already kind of developed a closer relationship, found out that his son had been part of Master's Commission in Hampton, Virginia. And in all likelihood, his son had ministered at my youth group years ago. And this is weird, because they found me at random on the internet, and I lived 45 minutes away, um, and there was this connection. But it gets even better than that. When I found out that his son went to the Hampton Master's Commission, I said, you know what? Don and Linda Webb's kids went to that. I wonder if they knew each other. So I saw Linda Webb, and I said... We were here uh, like a week after I learned from this guy that his son was, well, had gone to Master's Commission. I said, hey, didn't your daughters go to Master's Commission? What year did they go? She goes, well, maybe they knew him. What was his name? And I said his name, and her face went white as a ghost. And it turns out that Don and Linda's daughter is married to this drummer's son, who's actually been in this church for the wedding. And he was going through a tough, tough time in life, and that's why he was in the band just as a release. And uh, I wrote a song called You Found Me There, which I played here before about God finds you wherever you're at. He loved that song and he compared it to the psalm that says, where can I go and hide from the Lord's presence? And I, his name's Kevin. I said, Kevin, I said, I don't know if the whole reason God got me out here was to let you know he found you and what you're going through. Yeah. He loves you. And he started going back to his church and started playing music with his church. That was six years ago. We stay in touch. Yeah. And, uh, and so God used us for that moment. And, uh, and, and then uh, I got to tell a brief story about yeah. Tommy T. Okay. Another guy in that particular band. Um, it's so funny because once they found out, I told him I was a pastor. You know, we were out on a smoke break and they were all puffing away. You know, all good old boys, you know. And I got, hey, look, you, I agree with, uh, I heard a pastor friend of mine. If you're a smoker, you're going to go get to heaven just maybe a little quicker than some. Um, <laughs> same thing if you eat too much at McDonald's or whatever. Uh, but the pastor friend of mine said he thinks smokers ought to wear helmets. Why waste all that smoke? You keep it in. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so we were out. We were out on a on a smoke break, and uh, and I'm just standing there, and, and and that's when I told him I was a pastor. It was just so funny because uh, it was kind of awkward for me too. And but uh, one of them finally asked me for like the third time, "What is it you do again?" I said, "Well, man, I just I didn't want to, you know." 
blow my cover, man. I want to meet you guys as friends. And by this time, we're friends and, you know, good old boys together. And I was, I was like, but I pastor a church on the other side of town. And they're like, oh, yeah, I used to go to church, man. I used to, yeah, yeah I, I remember when I went to, uh, like, <laughs> and they stopped cussing as much. Strange. But I, 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 it was great that we were friends before that, you know, and, and I, I love that. And, and uh, but Tommy was that guy that, you know, every group of people seems to have. There's a comedian named Dane Cook. I don't. I don't encourage you to listen to Dane if you, unless you don't mind the f word and a lot of it. But somebody pointed me to this YouTube video, and, and it was funny because he said he says, you know, in every group, there is this guy named Brian, who is that awkward guy you love to hate in every group. And Tommy was that guy. He was the Brian. He was the guy you love to hate. He had no job. He had no car. He's 45 years old. He owes child support. But he carries himself like he knows everything. And you need to listen to his advice about life. And no matter what story, no matter what you've done, he's done it twice. He's that guy, right? And, uh, and so, uh, at any rate, Tommy ends up, we, we, I guess, uh, I, I left the band maybe I don't know, a year into it. We started Life on the Verge. And uh, and I, maybe a year ago, not even a year ago, I got a call from Tommy, who I couldn't, I really I couldn't stand the guy. He, you know, I tried to, once he found out I was a pastor, I really knew I had to, you know, love him. But uh, <laughs> it was just a personal contrast. And, uh, and so about you know, a year ago or so, I get a call. And I didn't even know I had a cell phone number in my address book. It comes up and it's, it's Tommy T., and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I haven't heard from this guy in five years. I haven't seen him. He must be calling to get him out of jail or to loan him money. You know, he's, that's the only thing I associate with. And he leaves a message. Then he calls back. He leaves another message. I was like, well, I got to call the guy. I haven't heard from him in five years. He lets me know that I talked to him for two hours. As he told me for the last two years, he said, I ended up in jail on drugs again. And I was on my cell floor the Bible, and I just couldn't shake the fact that God brought a pastor into my world. Here I was playing in this country band, and all of a sudden a pastor shows up, and you said this one time, and you said this one time, and you said that one time, and uh, and I don't remember saying any of it, uh, and he goes, and I just recommitted my life to the Lord, and for the last two years I've been plugged into my church, I got a new wife, I got a baby on the way, and he was just calling to thank me for, you know, being part of, and, and I'm like, all I did was be responsible for the opportunity in front of me. God did all that. I don't remember. Um, so we still do a lot of that. We love to reach. That's that's the opportunity that we have, even in the, the Richmond area, uh, is to touch the local music community. We know a lot of music musicians in that in that world. Um, some of you know my son got signed to Atlantic Records, another miracle thing. And I don't say that in a boastful way. I say that in a very strategic way, that God has given us inroads into a world where... You know, believe it or not, most people outside of the church, even in the entertainment industry, aren't as hostile toward Jesus as you might think. They turn it into political stuff. But these people that I met all of his team at Atlantic is, you know, the manager, the A&R people. I prayed with his manager. They love what we do in the prisons. Um, so I don't know what God's doing there, but that's part of our initiative in creating this album is, is certainly not to get a contract. It's simply to have street cred at reaching a wider audience. So, so you're, you're recording an album now, um, and this will be 
super good. I don't know. Is super good? It's a, industry standard. Industry standard. <laughs> I like super good uh, album that, uh, that you can use as a tool to go in to not play in front of the church, though. To actually go in and to opportunities uh, in Richmond and all around to play, create relationships, and then have the gospel go in with you that way. Why don't you talk about that for a second? Well, I used to say, um, I used to say I'm, a, I'm a preacher that just happens to play guitar. But I think the, other, the reverse of that is true as well. I'm a guitar player that just happens to preach. Um, and depending on where I'm at is the one that's going to get emphasized. And so we, we have did you know, a lot of homemade recording stuff. We've recorded an album in this basement, actually, at this church. And they come out okay. And because you know and love us, you would tell us it sounds okay. Um, but dropped into the ears of a really professional musician, they will rec- or somebody that's in the industry, or whatever, you know, they'll recognize immediately, yeah, it's, it's pretty good, it's all right, it's not bad, we've got an album out there, and I'm you know, on the table out there, and, we, and there's some decent songs on there, and I think that you would enjoy it. It's listenable, it's good, it's the best thing we've ever done to date. Um, but we, we started realizing, hey man, you know, God can provide for us to do something that's at least at the standard that... You know, a pro studio with a producer, which makes a big difference. Using a producer that can say, hey, I hear this here. Why don't you move this here? That's, got a, that, that's their deal. they got a huge vocabulary. So we set out to find somebody locally in the Richmond area. We had some songs that we'd written that are from a Christian perspective that seem to have a lot to do with relationships. And our marriage, 35 years, speaks for itself when we get out in that world. That in itself, when we get up and, and usually Susan and I, if we're sitting in with a band, we stand right next to each other. And the simple fact that there's a couple, 35 years married, still singing together. They seem to still love and maybe even like each other. Um, that's a testimony in and of itself yeah. right there. And it's opened up tons of conversations. So the idea behind this is to create music that, um, you know, the CD that's out there has got a lot of overtly... Christian stuff on it, you know, some covert, you know, but this is really, we're not steering away from if, you know, we feel like it needs to be said. I guess it's more along the lines of the way some of the stuff you'd hear on country radio, new country radio, southern rock kind of style stuff that's listenable and it's got the relationship message, you know, for couples. And we've actually did one song so far that we finished. I think I sent it to you and I, I sent it to someone. I sent it to a few people that I trust to give me their opinion and they were really blown away way by the production quality of it, but a particular individual that was listening to it is going through a serious time relational-wise, and it really ministered to him. He said he listened to it over and over, and I'm like, yeah, man, and, and, and you know, nobody's going to listen to our music or see us perform and not eventually draw the line to Jesus and to our ministry. You know, and uh, and so that's the goal is just to get more impact and influence, and, and it's the opportunity that we have right now, so we're going to try to be responsible with it. It, it also opens up opportunities, and this is um, some of the thing that God has put on my heart that I've talked with Mark a lot about, and um, is uh, the idea of tent making while you're ministering. And some of you may not know that term, but the Apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, um, was a tent maker. And uh, you look in Acts chapter 18, he goes into Corinth, and the first thing he does is he creates a relationship with an, another couple who's a tent maker, who, who are tent makers, Aquila and Priscilla. And he says, it, it says that he, he goes in and he creates, he actually works with them first. 
He actually goes in. He doesn't go in and just start preaching right away. He goes in, creates a relationship, goes to work. He gets a job. And, and oftentimes churches think totally opposite that way. You have full-time ministers and you have people that work for a living. That was a joke. Like, you can laugh about that. <laughs> when I got, when I stopped doing construction full-time, had a guy say, um, uh, we were building a house and the guy says, um, I said, I used to work for so-and-so building house. He said, what do you do now? I said, I'm a preacher. And then he threw in a cuss word and he said, I guess it's blank and too hard for you uh, to build houses. And I was like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so, so what we do is we segregate our lives. We, we, we compartmentalize our lives. We say, we go to church on Sunday, but this is what I do. And, and, and you find that, that the two don't meet sometimes because it's like, well, the, the people I'm around with at work don't want to hear about church, and the people I'm with at church don't want to hear about work. That's what happens a lot of times, right? But what I love about what Mark's doing and the position God put us in personally is that it's more biblical to be a tent maker and preach. Now, now Paul says, listen, if you know a minister that is, does a good job is worth getting paid and all that, all that type of thing, but the example he set was, I'm going to go work and minister to people while I'm working. I'm going to create relationships with people, and the opportunity comes to preach in the synagogue, I'll go preach in the synagogue. But the first relationships I'll create is because I went to work. I went into Corinth and got a job with Aquila and Priscilla, and it opened up opportunities for me to do other things. And so, so often, so often we look at our secular lives as outside of the church, and it's this, but, but I, we started looking at it, what if it was, what if, what if God was paying us to minister to people? What if I had a job that paid me to be, to be salt and light to the people he employs me with? And so now that looks totally different. Hey, what do you do for a living? I'm a paid minister at this company. It's like, they pay you to do it? Yeah, they don't even know they're doing it. <laughs> Rather you not tell them, actually. But, but if, we, if we flip it on its head, okay, what's the opportunity God put in front of me? Well, I'm at work more than I'm with my wife. Awake, right? I mean, we sleep in the same room and the same bed. I should clarify that. <laughs> but the issue is you're with people at work oftentimes more than you're in the house. So, so why wouldn't God be opening up opportunities? So, so I'm going to start looking at my career differently. I'm not doing it just to get a raise. I'm not doing it just to get a promotion. I'm doing it because that's the, that's the platform God has given me to minister to people. And by the way... Uh, you know, Beth and I have the opportunity outside the church to to uh, have a have a business and some employees and things. Uh, it was it was just recently where uh, a, a lady that we had hired. It was a couple months before she even knew I was a preacher. She thought I was a maintenance guy, <laughs> which I am, the maintenance guy. And I don't walk in every day going, "You all are going to hell. These kids are going to hell." <laughs> I mean, everybody believes that at four years old, but. Um, because you're like, whoa. But the, so the issue is, is that we, we don't walk in the room and advertise, hey, we're Christians and there's a certain standard you need to live by here. No, it's what's your story? Is there a way we can help you? Is there a way we can minister to you? Can we pray for you? Can we, can we just show up and be the kindest people in your life? 
Can we show up and find out that you're a Democrat or a Republican and I'm the opposite and still invite you to lunch? Can we show up and realize that your whole value system is different from mine, but I still care enough about you to ask? And, and, and that's, that, that's the tragedy of, of the culture we live in today, that if you show up to work and, and somebody disagrees, they automatically think, oh, well, I found out they're a Christian. They're, gonna, they're not going to like hanging around me. Well, why wouldn't I? And so, so to, to flip it on its head and realize that, man, Paul made a lot of inroads in the communities because he went to work. He didn't just go to preach. He went to create relationships. He went to level. It wasn't bait and switch. It wasn't, hey, I want to have a relationship with you long enough to get you to come to my church. I want to know what you struggle with. I want to, I want to know if I can help. And, and what I've seen in Mark and Susan's life is, is they're going into these communities, musicians' communities, uh, playing in bars and restaurants and event centers and all kinds of stuff, and doing it with a heart to know people, not just populate a ministry or populate a church, but to know people and minister to people where they are. And, and that's a beautiful thing. And, and as a church, we should think about it differently. God is actually providing me an income in an environment where I can also minister to the people around me. And, and, and like Mark said earlier, the, the door is wide open with opportunity when you start looking at your life like that. Like I, I'm, I'm rethinking church structure as we speak. Like Mark and I have had this conversation. Uh, most of our most of our team here at Hedgesville Church is employed other places, and has and have other things going. Uh, not because we want to be rich, because I think I think God has put in us that the relationships out of ch- outside of church are important. Amen. And I don't want I don't, I don't want any of us to be ministers that in 25 years of being a minister can't relate to anybody else but the people inside church. And so, so, so don't pray that God, you know, uh, God, get me out of this job. God, how can I be effective? Even if I don't like what I'm doing right now, how can you make me effective to care and love on people and to minister to them where you're, and by the way, I get a paycheck to do it. That's awesome. Because, because so often we're frustrated with where we work and, and we're not looking at it through the idea that, hey, God gave me this opportunity for this season of my life. You heard Mark say it uh, just a few minutes ago. Man, I'm working with guys that I don't even like the music. But you have no idea through even difficult relationships how God can work through you and minister through you just by showing up, doing your job, being kind to people, and letting the Holy Spirit out when he wants to get out. Amen? And so uh, it's, an, it's an amazing journey. And, and Mark and I have had these discussions recently about what what full-time in the ministry even looks like. And, um, and most of the people on staff here are part-time here at the church and full-time in other industries. And, um, and to be honest with you, I, I, don't, I don't think any of us get in the office and go, man, well, I just like to do this the whole time. Uh, we're, we're excited about the avenues that God has given us to minister outside of the church through what we're doing. And so I want to encourage you. I'm excited every time I hear that you show up for work on time and you're kind to people that hate your guts. Come on, I know what it's, uh, it's real, right? And you're kind when you get looked over for the promotion and you're kind uh, when, when the guy steps on you. You're kind and you show compassion and you care about people and you never know in two or three years or five years, like Mark was saying, when somebody's gonna pick up the phone and say, hey, you know what? Remember, we worked together. You were the only nice person to me. 
You were the only person that seemed like they cared. You were the only person that, that, uh, that showed an interest in me and my life. And that's the Holy Spirit working through you. So I want to encourage you to rethink the way you look at your job, the way you look at what you're, what you're doing in the moment, in the season, as, as God equipping you and supplying for you to carry his gospel forward in every aspect of your life, not just when you show up on Sunday morning. And so I'm excited about that. Uh, I'm excited about Mark being a pioneer. He's always been this way. He's always been a pioneer in the sense that out on the front edge of what ministry looks like. Come on, who passes a church and plays music in bars? Like 20 years ago, that would have got you not pastoring a church. That's what that would have got you, right? It would have got you, it would have got you playing in bars full time. <laughs> um, so I love about him pushing the edge, pushing the envelope in the relationships that you can create. But didn't Jesus do that? We had this conversation last night. Zacchaeus, come down out of the tree. Let's have dinner at your house. Zacchaeus was not a beloved person in his community. He was a crook. He was a tax collector crook. And so Jesus, in the midst of a crowd, points out the guy and says, hey, I want to hang out with you today. To probably the gasp of all the religious people. What is he doing? Well, you know what he's doing? He's creating a bridge. He's creating a relationship with a guy who wouldn't ordinarily be led into religious circles. I'll go to your house. By the way, I'll go to your house and have dinner. And so uh, what I love about Mark and Susan is they're willing to go into somebody else's house and, and create the relationship. Because like he said, the people that God has called us to probably won't come here. Amen. I don't care how cool it is. They're probably not going to step foot in here the first time. And so how can we use our opportunities and the, and the giftings that God has given us and the jobs that God has given us to minister to those people? So, um, so hey, tomorrow's Monday. Wake up with a smile on our face, right? And we accept every challenge that the Holy Spirit puts in front of us uh, to use for his glory and his honor. And, and I believe people's lives will be changed through that. Amen? So, hey, um, why don't you tell us a little bit of the details about your album? And um, you're, you're working through a pro place in Richmond. And, um, and it's not cheap, right? No, I mean... Well, it's not it, 50 bucks for an album. No, it's, it, and, it's, uh, and we're, paying, we're, we're, we're not just paying for the recording part of it. I have the equipment to do that. Um, but we're paying for the knowledge of the producer and also the musicians that are session musicians, you know, that are used to playing in that environment. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think... I, sent out an email, some of you may have received it if you're on our list, you know, we need to raise $12,500 in order to complete the record, and that's really cheap compared to what some records out there yeah. get produced at. The album's called Still Moving Targets, and when people ask, well, what does that mean? Well, that's kind of been the secret of our marriage, is we've stayed moving targets. So still long enough, the devil will get you, you know, we're going we're gonna to play life on offense, not defense, yeah. we're going to keep moving to the next thing, the next thing God has for us. Um, we're going to try to live with no reserves, no retreats, no regrets, you know, and, and just stay offensively. And so that's the idea behind that is that we're still moving targets. And the, the idea is, is that it will be of a quality. We're already being ministers or being able to minister to the producer guy who I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he's learning all about us and what we do. And the music's not, it, it is, uh, it's good music. Okay. And some of the songs may be, um, very 
overtly Christian. We may, we're not going to shy away from it if we feel like it needs to be on there, but we're not trying to make every song a gospel song either. We're trying to deal with where people are living at. And just, to, you know, those that, that write or write songs know you, you just write what seems to come out. And yeah. like, yeah, and does that line up with my values? Sounds good. Let's, let's put it out there and see if it resonates with where people are at. So, yeah. so that 12,500 will get us uh, the recording of 10 songs. The first thousand CDs pressed and all the distribution online, you know, Spotify and all that kind of stuff. And one of the things it'll do for us, really, it'll, it'll bring a level, level of legitimacy to what we're doing in musicians everywhere. Whether you like the genre or you like the music, you can't deny, wow, that was well done. That was well made, at least. And that at least opens the door to maybe a conversation wherever we go. Um, and so, and just in way of that tent making thing that you said, you know, our intent is to, to begin to use music more and more as a way of actually making money the way that you do carpentry on the side or daycare or whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it, what a win-win. I get to do what we get to do what we love and get paid for the actual service, but also be on mission to see who God might open the door up for us to talk to or, you know. Yeah. So that's yeah. just behind it. So we're still at the beginning stages. Finally, we got one song done and we're pressing into it. We got... Session time scheduled for December 1st and, and 9th. Good deal. Don't be at a bar real late that night before. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, look, uh, I told you we are, we are looking. Um, we set out some opportunities to be generous this, uh, at the end of this year, God so loved, right? And so uh, I want you to know as a church, we're going to, um, um, I don't know if you call it sponsor. We're just going to give them the money. I don't know. How you call? What do you call it? Uh, to be able to make sure they get two more tracks done on that album, and um, I thought you'd be excited about that. Maybe we won't do it. Like, okay. Hey, Chris. Let me let me say. Let me just say one more thing to make sure that I. I, I how many of you have um, loved ones that probably aren't walking with the Lord right now? They're out there. Wouldn't you just love for them to encounter somebody like Susan and I in a place they went to party? And who knows what God could do? That's, that's our intent right there. And we've seen it happen time and time again. And not by walking in with a Bible in her hand, but with a guitar in her hand. And who knows? And it's been amazing. I told Chris last night I was wearing a, a, a very, very old Christian band t-shirt. Very old, like 30-year-old. DeGarmo and Keys, Sam. Um, Really old, a dark, worn-out T-shirt, and I wore it to play with this band one time. I was, I was just kind of sitting in with them, and I did, I, we normally don't play these super dives unless God opens the door to do it. This turned out to be a super dive where they have beer things that are this tall off the table, and you use a tap, and everybody like that holds ten beers. Some of you going, yeah, I've been there, uh, but but uh, but I wore this T-shirt. I said, well, I might be going to a dive, but I'm gonna, you know, wear this T-shirt and. And a guy walks up to me in the bar, and he's like, he sees my T-shirt, and he goes, DeGarmo and Key, boycott hell, I used to know every word of that song. And I'm like, first off, how many of you ever heard of DeGarmo and Key? How many of you ever heard of DeGarmo and Key? Look around you. There's about two hands up, okay? I much less knew every word to boycott hell. Turns out he was homeschooled. He went to the Creation Fest growing up. He'd been in church, and I'm like, yeah, I wonder why God's got me here to remind you of that. I don't know. And so anyway, that, that's the whole gist behind what we do. So, um, uh, so Mark and Susan, we wanted them to start out this season of generosity for Hedgesville Church, and so we want to make sure that two more of those tracks get get made. And um, 
so uh, I'm, I'm just excited about where we are as a church and the ability to do things like this. If you'd like to give towards that, that's fine. Uh, we're going to receive an offering as we typically do now uh, as you leave. And so um, can we just stand together and we thank God that he's put people like this in our path and people like Mark and Susan are ministering on a daily basis to people that we may never even run into. But you also are ministering to people that others may never run into. And I want you to know that God has equipped you and will equip you to continue to do that work. Amen? So can I pray a blessing over you this morning? Father, we thank you. God, you've called us all. Uh, And it's irrevocable, Lord. You've put it on our lives, and you've called us to do uh, what you've equipped us to do. And so I pray tomorrow, Lord, that as we go to our jobs, God, we look at it a bit differently. God, we'd have inspiration from the Holy Spirit to look at ourselves as ministers of the gospel that we can reach into people's lives and share the love of Christ with them right where we are. We thank you for it. We pray a blessing over Mark and Susan in the year to come. We pray, Lord, for, great, uh, for a great harvest in their ministry uh, in places that we don't expect, Lord. I pray that you protect them and keep them. And Lord, I pray that as we go tomorrow, you'd empower us all. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Come on, could you give him honor and glory one more time?